Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real life rescues on the fire ground to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant. Uh, with me, I got Adam Ryan. Adam and I got to uh, do some work together at Fort Lauderdale Fire Expo, and we were actually doing um, some VES stuff, and I heard about a grab made in Christiana and reached out to a buddy and said, hey, who got that? And lo and behold, it's my buddy Adam. And so I uh, got him on the phone today. We're going to be talking about that grab. Um, welcome, Adam. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself and, and your department? Uh, so I've been in the fire service since 2010. I got in when I was in high school um, as a junior in the town I grew up in. Uh, served there uh, with the Laurel Fire Department for about five years. Um, learned a lot of good things, a lot of good guys. Um, got me, they put me through my EMT, which ended up allow me to work in Delaware as a firefighter EMT, started a couple other places, uh, working part-time and full-time on the ambulance and stuff like that. And then in 2018, uh, I got hired uh, by Christiana and I've been there ever since. So I'm just finishing up my fourth year um, with them and, you know, uh, Christiana combination department, about 40 to 50 active volunteer members. Uh, 21 career firefighter EMTs, including officers, firefighters, and an assistant chief. Um, pretty much operate out of one station. Uh, we have three, but we typically only can staff the one with an engine and a truck. If we have uh, the manpower, we put up another engine at our south side station. Um, we also employ a full-time mechanic. So pretty much one-on-one or two-on-one uh, engine and truck. Uh what else were you asking? I'm sorry. <laughs> so I think probably if you're into the fire service listening to this podcast, you've heard of Christiana. Uh, seems to be the, the cool place to go uh, volunteer. And you guys got a wealth of uh, senior men on there. So tell us how, tell us about that search culture, what it's like there. Uh, so we put a lot of time and effort to making sure guys are, um, really squared away when it comes to the truck company skills. And we put a lot of guys inside just to search. So I know a lot of places they kind of split inside and outside. Um, we pretty much just send one guy to the roof. Everyone else in some way, shape or form is, uh, going inside to help facilitate the search. So our riding assignments are driver, operator, um, officer, barman, OV, can, and then ladders. Um, so pretty much with the exception of the ladderman, who is supposed to go and just throw ladders and assist the driver or assist the OV. All depends on uh, the fire. Pretty much everyone's getting inside the search. So the officer and barman typically ride three to four. Uh, most days, probably four guys. So driver, officer, barman, and the uh, OV. Uh, officer and the bar work together, going in search. Um, the OV will go around back per our county policy. They give a seaside report. So conditions, number of floors, uh, basement access, utilities, um, you know, obvious rescues, people hang out of windows, anything like that they'll give on the, the seaside report to command. And then a lot of times they'll typically uh, VES the structure on their discretion and, you know, pick a window, they'll call that out. 
So we, in our rookie school for new hires and new volunteers, it's usually only a two-day weekend um, event. We focus a lot on making sure or seeing where people are at the start, you know, what are they comfortable with? What do they need to work on? And then going from there and just seeing what they're good at and where they're going to ride. So we don't clear everybody out the gate to ride OV. OV is something usually after you've been there for a couple months, um, we'll train with you. You'll be FTO'd just like you would, you know, on an ambulance or anything like that. You'll have someone kind of working with you to, uh, you know, when you go on box alarms, making sure you're doing all the right things, making sure you're making good decisions because you're kind of, op you're operating alone while you're riding as the OV. So you have to make a lot of those calls on your own without, you know, having anyone to kind of bounce those ideas off of an officer to ask, you know, is this okay? So it takes a lot of, it's a pretty senior position for us. Um, it's a lot of responsibility for the guys that uh, ride it. So um, when we don't have four guys, the, the driver will be the OV. So he'll actually just go around back with a ladder and perform that same thing. He won't set the aerial up. So that's kind of how we focus all our search stuff, just making sure we're getting as many guys inside to kind of search all as much space as we can. Very cool. You, you mentioned countywide policy. What are you guys, so you guys operate um, auto aid in your county or talk to us about what you're getting on a, on a box alarm and where those units are coming from? So in Newcastle County, um, it's each department is their own. Um, we don't have a countywide department like some places do. So each department is their own um, entity. They hire their own employees, their own volunteers, their own uh, command staff, everything like that. So, but we do have agreed upon county policies um, as to, you know, order of operations out of fire, what the first two engine does, what the first truck does, and certain things that need to get done at every fire. So um, box a box alarm in Newcastle, it's four engines, two trucks, and a rescue company. And then the first two chief will also respond. And then if additional chiefs are available, they'll respond um, to go with their guys. So our closest, the, the company we work the most with is probably Newark or Edna Hose fucking ladder, um, Newark Delaware's fire department. We operate with them pretty much every day. So if we have a box, they'll send a chief with their guys. If they have a box, we'll send one of our chiefs. So that way there's always at least two chiefs going to it. So typically, you know, first arriving will take command and the second arriving will uh, go inside and run things as uh, the operations are interior chief. Um, but as far as who does what, the first engine grabs a line or finds a hydrant, they lay a line or they'll park next to a hydrant and just run the line off the uh, truck from there. Second do engine will pump that hydrant for them. Third and fourth kind of repeat the same off the second hydrant. Uh, first special gets the primary done on the fire floor. Second goes to the floor above or just occupy or searches the space of the uh, first truck didn't if it's a top floor fire. So all the floors below and then they'll assist with whatever needs to get done on the top floor. Uh, third special is the RIC company for us. Um, so that could either be a rescue or a ladder depending on who arrives when. Um, there's only a couple rescues in the county. So there's not typically they arrive a little later. So they'll usually be the RIC. Um, and then that's pretty much it for the who does what in the county policies. What's your uh, delay or when's everybody arriving on the scene? Is it pretty quick or is there a delay where you're working alone for a while? Uh, so it, it depends on where it's at. You know, it depends on what box it is. You know, 
if it's on the west side of the county, a lot of those departments are only spaced out by a couple miles, so they usually get there right on top of each other. Christiana covers 45 square miles, pretty much out of one firehouse. So if we get a box in the south side of the local, um, we'll be operating by ourselves for you know, five minutes maybe, sometimes more depending on where people are coming from, um, if there's another box going on that they might be committed to, stuff like that. So sometimes, you know, we're kind of piling on top of each other. Other times, you know, we're kind of playing by ourselves for a minute before anyone else gets there. And um, because all volunteer accommodation departments aren't equal, um, can you kind of run down? I know you've got career people, you've got volunteers that had uh, previously worked in other places and volunteers that are currently working in other places, right? So you, you got a pretty uh, professional volunteer department. Our combination department, right? Yeah. So, you know, you do, you always hear like some people say like, uh, you know, it's the volunteers versus the career guys. Like at Christiana, there is really no volunteer career separation. You know, we're all kind of, we're on the same team. We're all working together. We all get along really well. Most of the guys that volunteer there work somewhere else as firemen, EMTs, medics, cops, you know, whatever. So we're all kind of in the same uh, career field. You know, there, there's very minimal separation. Uh, one of the guys at work always says, you know, Christian is just the lowest paid career department in the country. Guys just do it for free. So there isn't really a lot of separation. We, and it's traditionally like that throughout the County. There's not a lot of um, big issues when it comes to volunteer career staff. A lot, it's a very, you know, cohesive environment. Guys work really well together, whether or not they're getting paid. So um, that's pretty much that. And people come there because you guys get a lot of work, right? <laughs> yeah. And guys come from all over Connecticut, Massachusetts, PA, Maryland, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys do drive a, a good distance just to come ride there. And, um, takes a lot of dedication just to get out of bed to drive four hours to go hang out at the firehouse for a day. All right, cool. Now that we set the stage and everything, Adam, take us to October 28th, 2021. And let's, uh, talk about this Rob. All right. So, uh, October 28th, um, fire, occurred or we were dispatched for a fire at the uh augusta drive in chestnut hill states so it's actually uh newark's first new local but it's very close to it's borders us it's right down the street from the firehouse actually so it's a little bit of a drive for them to get to and it's actually rather close for us we a lot of times arrive together or one of us beats the other there um that morning Fire was dispatched at 7.09, so nine minutes after shift change for us. So we were actually really heavy for that for that box alarm. I think when we went to bed that night, we were four and four on the engine and truck um, with five career guys and three or four volunteers. So when that came out, a lot of us were still in bed. Um, so we all run out there. The shift coming on is already there. We're still there. The volunteers are still there. So we ended up being like six, six, and then there was three extra guys in quarters that didn't have a spot. So they actually took um, our second engine out of station 12 and they went to. So we responded with two engines and a truck for this box alarm. Uh, so like I said, it's Newark's local. It's right down the street for us. Um, we arrived uh, first engine, first special and second engine. There was a hydrant at the Alpha Delta corner of the house. This was a corner lot that um, faced the main drag of the development, as well as one of the main roadways uh, through Newcastle County. 
So hydrant right on scene or right out front. So the first engine parked on it, um, didn't drop any line. They just hooked into their uh, front uh, bumper intake. Second engine parked out of the way, and those guys were able to put two hand lines in service rather quickly. Uh, we arrived first special, took side alpha. Uh, it was initially sized up as a one-story dwelling, which it does look like from the front. Um, I don't know if I sent you any pictures or anything like that, or you saw any pictures of the house. Um, but it's actually a split-level dwelling. So you go in, you've got a, a first floor, and then towards the back of the first floor, you've got steps that go up and down into the second floor, which is the bedrooms and bathroom, and then downstairs, which is typically like a den living room area, uh, bonus room, stuff like that. So looks like a one-story house from the front. You go around back, you've got two sets of windows, uh, one for the basement and one for the second floor. So that morning, um, I was riding OV. Uh, so we arrived, had fire shown from the front door and uh, the living room first floor living room of the, uh, the house. Uh, I got off, I grabbed a 16 foot extension ladder, uh, my hook and my Halligan. Um, so one, one of the other things, uh, all the writing assignments at Christiana have sp uh, specific tools that they have to carry with them on the truck company. And there's no argument about, there is no if, ands or buts, you know, if you're the can man, you're grabbing the can. If you're the bar man, you grab the Halligan and the, the ax every time. And we have, you know, different tools that we're supposed to carry if it's a commercial, a residential, a high rise, you know, et cetera. So I sized up the building. Um, having gone into that development several times for box alarms, I knew my a 16 foot extension ladder, which we carry um, on our tower ladder would be sufficient to get the second floor windows on the trolley side. So I make my way around to the Alpha Bravo side. Um, while I'm doing that, the homeowner's out front, um, it's an elderly gentleman, pointing at the house saying, you know, she's in there, she's in the first floor, she's right there, pointing out a window in the, the first floor living room. Um, just to back up a little bit, when they did dispatch this, they dispatched it with confirmed entrapment. Uh, county police were on scene saying that they did have someone trapped inside the dwelling. So I go make my way around back. Um, give my OV report to command, which was one of uh, Newark's chiefs um, reported, you know, two in the rear, no basement access, no conditions from the basement and uh, smoke from the eaves of the dwelling. Um, after I did that, I threw my ladder to a, the second floor window on the uh, Charlie Bravo corner um, and advised command that I was going to be BSing uh, the second floor Charlie Bravo corner. So one of the other things with this, this neighborhood and these houses. And we actually went to a fire three days before that in that same neighborhood, different street. But um, we go there quite a bit for boxes. Um, and the, the windows that these places have for the second floor bedrooms, they're, they're, they're kind of unusual. They're probably uh, about 16 inches high, about 24 inches wide. So they're really low, but long windows. And they're set pretty high up in the room, probably about four or five feet off the ground, um, if I can remember correctly. Um, so I'm a bigger guy. So it was a little bit difficult making my way through that window. So I took the window out. I kind of had to slide in um, pack first to get the air bottle to clear the window to get in. Um, wasn't really able to sweep the floor to see if there's anything there. So it was pretty much just a, a drop through that window um, to the ground. So once I landed, 
got my stuff situated, kind of figured out where I was in the room. I could see the door was open to the bedroom because I could see daylight from the windows. By this point, they had knocked the fire and we had been on scene for about two minutes. It wasn't, you know, a, a very extensive fire. It was pretty much just contained to the area around the front door. Um, so the engine did a quick job of knocking that. So made my way to the bedroom door. The uh, rest of my truck company made access from the kitchen door on the Delta side um, to try and because you know, they couldn't get past the fire at the front door because it was pretty much involving the whole uh, doorway. So they went in through a alternate um, entrance. I met the barman from the truck company or from our tower company um, pretty much right at the door. We exchanged words for a couple seconds. I said I had this bedroom. Um, young, he was a younger guy. I told him, hey, just get another room. We'll cover the whole second floor. Um, closed the door or swept the hallway, closed the door, turned back around, immediately made like a beeline down the, uh, the wall towards where I thought the bed and uh, um, everything else was. At this point, I hadn't heard any reports on any victims. A majority of uh, the, my company was still searching the first floor in the area that the gentleman said um, he thought she or where he she, he thought she was at on the first floor. Um, so I find the bed. I start making my way down the bed, and I run into a pair of legs. Um, put my hands on the bed, you know, just trying to figure out what exactly I ran into. Because at that point, I really didn't know it was a pair of legs, but quickly realized that it was um, a victim, uh, elderly female victim. I radioed uh, an urgent, real quick, to command, um, just stating, you know. Tower 12 would be to command urgent message. Got a victim, second floor, Bravo Charlie corner. Um, got up, up underneath her armpits, kind of locked my hands into her wrists and just started dragging her towards the uh, uh, bedroom door. Um, one of the other guys opened the door when I called or came into that room or tried to come into that room when I called out the urgent um, just to try and give me a hand. So he got the door open and out of the way. I kept making my way to uh, the top of the steps. At that point, um, Captain Mike Pressler, who was the truck officer that morning, uh, met up with him. He grabbed her legs. We made it down, you know, the six steps because it's only a split level, so it's not like a full stair uh, staircase. Made it down to the first floor, out to the front yard, and then uh, moved her over to uh, EMS, who was waiting for us got her up on the stretcher they started cpr and their interventions and uh that was the majority of the rescue so i believe from time of dispatch to or time of arrival until when we found the victim was uh, about four minutes so we were on scene pretty quickly uh, maybe 10 12 minutes total from time of time of dispatch to when she was removed from the structure um so we got there pretty quick, found her pretty quick, got her out, transferred her over to EMS, and they transported her to the trauma center, which was uh, luckily right down the street, um, probably a mile or two, um, to which uh, she succumbed to her injuries, sustained during the fire, um, unfortunately. Um, so that that's pretty much the rescue as far as from when we got there to when we removed her. Cool. Uh, I got a couple questions for you. Once, um, once you closed the door after you gave the uh, other the inside team uh, directions, did you get any lift or what was visibility like in that bedroom? 
Uh, so they did have the fire knock, so visibility was improving. Um, it was still pretty smoked out, so I couldn't readily identify objects in the room. Um, I didn't see her. Like I said, I didn't see her all laying on the bed. I kind of ran into her with my um, body when I was crawling across the floor, and then I had to get up and you know feel around to see what it was that I had hit. Um, after finding her and getting the bedroom door open, conditions were greatly improved out into uh, the rest of the second floor and the first floor. Um, by that point, the driver of the truck had got a nice uh, four by four size hole cut right above the stairwell. So a um, lot of lift um, from the smoke. Uh, conditions were pretty clear at that point, and I could visibly see the way out into the front door. So after that, um, conditions greatly improved because, like I said, it was a quick fire. They had it knocked, um, got a hole in the roof real quick, and it was pretty easy to see once I got her out of the bedroom. Was she uh, – I'm guessing she was pretty light um, being an older lady, or, or is that the case or no? Uh, yeah, so she was – I'd probably say she was 140 pounds at the maybe you know, probably a little lighter. She was a uh, bed bound, I believe is what someone ended up telling me because they did find like hospital beds and everything um, in the house and uh, stuff like that. Uh, so I believe she was in her seventies. Um, smaller lady wasn't too terrible to move on, on my own, but uh, I, I, I am glad that there were other guys up there to kind of help get things out of the way um, just because it, it, the house wasn't, wasn't a hoarded house, but you know, someone was living there. It was cluttered furniture, everything else. Um, was she so slip, every, slip, slippery at all, or no? No. So she was actually pretty clean as far as um, being a victim. She wasn't covered in. She wasn't burned. Um, didn't have a lot of smoke on her. She had smoke around her her mouth and nose um, from being inside. But as far as that, uh, no, she was actually very clean for a rescue. Now, I know dudes at Christiana are really disciplined. Um, talk a little bit about once you found victim, you gave your urgent message. Um, usually people hear that. Everybody comes. They want to put hands on the victim. Um, it sounded like until you at least got to the stairs, uh, they were disciplined and just making a path. Talk about making a path and not putting, not having 10 dudes try to try to all touch, touch this victim on the way out and how that was. Right. Um, so... Uh, one of the things there, there guys were trying to come up there and like, give me a hand just because they, you know, no one really knew what we had. It could have been a, a larger victim or multiple victims. Um, one of the things that kind of played a part in, in that is when I gave my urgent and said where I was at, um, some people didn't really hear it. And then what command repeated back was actually the opposite side of the house. So I said, Bravo, Charlie, he replied with Charlie Delta or something along those lines. Um, so a lot of guys, when I came out, were actually at the other end of the hall in those bedrooms trying to figure out where exactly I was because they thought maybe that's they thought that's where I was because that's what they heard command repeat. Um, so I believe the one of the other guys from the interior or the inside crew on the Tower 12 was up there. Um, like I said, someone got the door open. I'm not really sure I'd, even to this day who exactly did what when it came, came to that. But someone got the door open for me, so I didn't have to put her down to um, – manipulate the door to get that back open and then pick her back up again. Uh, got her out, pulled her past the steps. Cause I saw, uh, Mike Pressler coming up the steps. Um, we exchanged, we exchanged a couple quick words and, you know, Hey, grab her legs. Um, and he, you know, picked her up underneath the knees and we moved right out. 
while we were doing that, um, the guys on the engine, I'll give a lot of credit to on engine 12 and squad 12, um, did a really good job of just kind of clearing the way so we didn't have to bump into anybody on the way out. Um, second do engine nozzleman, uh, like I said, they were the three man engine. So driver officer and, um, nozzleman, they did a good job. They got the line out of the, they got their backup line out of the way. The first two engine got their line out of the way. Um, and it was a pretty much a straight shot. They were also moving like couches and recliners and everything else so that we didn't have to, you know, maneuver around anything, but the steps line right up with the front door. So they got that stuff out of the way. They cleared a path and we were outside in 30 seconds once getting her into the steps. Um, so as far as that goes, it kind of worked in our favor that there weren't a lot of guys trying, you know, where they were supposed to be because it just made things easier as far as maneuvering past guys and not having to worry about people clogging the steps or anything like that. Not that they were trying to do anything, you know, malicious, but you know, someone calls out, they got a victim. Like you said, everyone wants to put hands on and help and you know, try and get somebody, try and get them out. Right. So it, everyone did what they were supposed to. And, you know, guys were searching, guys were getting stuff out of the way. You know, everyone worked together to facilitate this rescue. It wasn't just a, a one man operation. No, uh, you just hit the lottery when you actually happen to occupy that room. Uh, but everybody's in there doing their job. You know, the funny thing is I, I reached out to Mike to find out who got the grab. He didn't say anything about even helping at all. Uh, so <laughs> super humble. He was also with us in Fort Lauderdale. But do you guys practice? Uh, I know you guys are pretty jam up and you guys work together a lot. But do you guys practice victim removal up and down stairs? In Florida, we don't have a ton of stairs, so that's not something we do a lot of. But Right. So we – um. We do training every day at uh, Christiana, you know, whether it's just table talk conversation or going down to, uh, we got some um, Connex boxes down at one of the firehouses that we use. It's kind of like a FDTN style setup for doing just small burns, uh, just smoke, using a burn barrel to smoke things out so we can do uh, search stuff and forcible entry and stuff like that. But we do practice moving people up and down the steps. Um, you know, going down the steps is easy. Gravity is kind of at your side. Um, going up the steps is a lot more difficult. So we do practice that at the firehouse. We're getting, um, you know, victims or down firemen up and down the steps, um, just working on technique and getting proficient at that. So when you actually have to do it, it's not like the first time you've ever, you know, tried to move anything up a flight of steps. Uh, just because we got listeners from all, uh, you know, in the fire service, want to be in the fire service, senior, junior members. If, Nobody else was there to help you when you got to the top of the stairs. How would, what was your plan for getting the victim down? I know you said you've practiced a lot, but tell us what your plan was for getting them down. So um, we, we talked about this afterwards, um, just kind of like a little hot wash in the front yard. So if I wasn't able to take her out the interior steps, when, when I, um, my thought process for VS has always been, you know, the easiest way to get somebody out is always going to be going through the house, down the interior steps or out the front door, just because it's going to be um, a little less work. You're just dragging them pretty much to the front door. You don't have to get them up and over a lot of things. Um, if, if no one was there to help me, I, I don't think it would have been too terribly difficult to move her just because she was a smaller victim um, and a smaller lady. Um, so it, it would have been pretty easy. It definitely with Mike being there, it made it a lot easier. And with other guys being able to get stuff out of the way, it made it a lot smoother than it could have been. Um, I will say the, the issue I think we would have ran into is if trying to get her back out the window, um, like I said, this, it's a pretty high window and it's 
also very small. Thankfully, she was also small, but, you know, getting her out and then get myself back out if I needed to would have been pretty difficult just because it, it was a very awkwardly sized window. Um, I will say my ladderman, uh, Chris Ryle, um, he tried to go and perform a VES at the front of the house, um, which the front of the house doesn't have any uh, bedrooms, but he you know, trying to facilitate some sort of uh, VES operation. I don't think he ended up doing it. I think he just ended up following the rest of the crew inside. When he heard me call out that I had a victim, he immediately came around back to where my ladder was and adjusted it, kind of like made it a little bit um, easier climbing angle um, as far as removing a victim and then went up to the window to see if that's where I was bringing them out. Because I didn't, um, when I radioed that I found a victim, I, I I probably, I should have said where I was going with it. You know, if I'm taking her out the first or through the front door or back out the window at that point, like I said, though, they had the fire knock visibility was getting better. So I felt pretty comfortable that it wasn't going to take long to get her out the front door. But that was one of the things we talked about. Um, you know, even if it was a bigger lady, it would have been extremely difficult to get her up those couple of feet and then out that rather small window. So we did talk about certain things that we could have done, whether it would have been, you know, converting the window to a door or just, you know, cutting a hole in the side of the house if need be stuff like that. Um, so we did discuss it afterwards, whether and what would have been the best uh, plan of action as far as getting them back out. If we couldn't have take, taken them out the front door. That's awesome. Uh, so much to unpack there. Uh, I, you know, as you were saying that I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe do a window to door conversion would have been a yeah. good idea. You said that um, you guys do double ladders. If you're bringing a victim out with uh, windows there. Uh, so it depends. I've never brought a person out a window. Um, I can't really, we had, they had a fire probably three years ago where ROV assisted some people out of a window on a, uh, commercial over resident or residential over commercial building in one of our neighboring, uh, districts. Um, my thought process is if you got the manpower, absolutely. You know, um, sometimes you're only going to have one guy to help you and they might not have, you know, another ladder with them or they might not have um, brought a ladder or whatever, but if you got two ladders and, you know, enough people, I think it definitely makes a difference as far as removing somebody out of a victim or at a victim out of a window um, just because it's easier to move them down two ladders as opposed to one and using two people instead of one. Just um, that's my thought process on it. I that might be right or wrong, but that's just how I've always thought about it. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, back to the stairs, um, it, when when Mike teamed up with you, did you continue to come out feet first or did you flip around head first or what was your orientation with each other? So by that point, um, like I said, I pulled her kind of past the steps a little bit. Mike grabbed her legs underneath the knees um, and then we took her out feet first. So he kind of walked backwards out of the house. I was still facing the doorway. I was up underneath her arms, uh, like I said, so we took her out feet first and then to the right of that, the front door to where EMS was. So, uh, yeah, feet first. And if you're coming out, no mic, just yourself, are you, you flipping around, you coming down backwards, keeping her head off the stairs and letting her feet drag or what was it? Did you get that far in your plan in your head? Um, probably not in my head. I mean, you know, uh, this is the, that's the first time I ever found someone and I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It's, soon as I realized what was going on, uh, your, the, the adrenaline definitely, you know, kicked up, definitely kind of compressed everything that was going on and just kind of reacted. So, um, if I, Mike wasn't there, I would have brought her down, um, 
I would have walked down the steps back, backwards, still with her head up. You know, I, you don't want to drag anyone feet first down the steps, you know, banging their head along every step along the way and then out through the front door. But uh, that was probably going to be what I would have ended up doing if Mike had been where he was at that point in time. Um, like I said, you know, I don't have a, a terribly lot of time in the fire service. Um, and what happened that morning was a lot of just pretty much dumb luck and training kicking in. You know, I could have picked any other window or someone else could have picked that window and found her first, but that it just happened to be by you know that chance I came around and that was the window I decided to jump through. And when I found her, it pretty much was just training kicking in repetition of doing those skills and those drills at the firehouse and at FPTN and every other place um, just kind of kicked in and took over. Well, I'm glad it was you because it made tracking down uh, somebody to do a podcast a little bit easier uh, <laughs> knowing you. Plus, I think it, it I, I love doing these podcasts, but it's a little more fun when it's somebody that I know. And uh, I see them put the, the training in on the front end. And it, it's crazy yeah. how uh, the pe- people that are putting in the training, it, it's like happening. Like I can't tell you how many friends in the last couple uh, year and a half, uh, two years have have ended up coming across grabs, and it, it's cool to see when when we pay attention to that kind of stuff, good things happen. Um, yeah. So uh, one other question, and because um, I know you you unpack a lot of cool stuff that was like how you guys do countywide stuff, your pre pre arrival assignments, your tool assignments. Um, how do people get a hold of you or who do people get a hold of to find out more of how Christiana is doing that, that culture, that cool culture, the truck, uh, all that kind of riding assignment stuff that everybody's really trying to figure out. There's no sense reinventing the wheel, but starting at a point where, where, where somebody else is already doing that. Um, maybe start by how do they get a hold of you? And then if that, that information is available to anybody else uh, via any other means. Uh, so, I don't have a super huge social media presence. Um, I, I don't have a lot of like stuff that I post on my Instagram or Facebook. So I wouldn't say go to that for looking for anything as far as Christiana, but Christiana itself, uh, we're, they're very active um, on Facebook and social media. The guys that run our social media side do put a lot of stuff on there as far as what we're doing for training, fires, um, recruit schools, uh, Christiana, fire.com or Christiana fire. Just Google it. will pop up there pretty close to the top. Um, we have a lot of information on our website as far as riding assignments, what we do operations. And, uh, if you're trying to come do a ride along or join, um, all that information is posted on the website and you can get in contact with anyone, even just by DM and the uh, Facebook or Instagram page, someone will get back to you as far as setting up a ride along or joining or whatever your interest is. Or even if you have questions about operations, they're very good about, um, getting back to people and answering as many questions as possible. Well, very cool, Adam. Uh, thank you for taking the time to unpack all this. And uh, it was good to catch up with you. If you make a grab or assist alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Take that short survey. This information is for us and by us updated real time. If you want to share your grab story uh, on the podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe. Justin McWilliams isn't so good at getting back to people or Nick Ladine. Uh, get, get a hold of any of us. We'd love to share the story. And it can be anonymous or uh, just like we did today with, with departments' names and, and whatnot. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah.
Okay. Yeah.